The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. So this October, Margaret, my wife, and I are going to be introducing our third child into the family. We are super, super pumped up. Another baby girl. Fellas, pray for me. The estrogen level in the rectal home just increased by one person. So as, as a dad, I'm always trying to solicit counsel from other parents, trying to get their advice saying, hey, how do you manage your time? How do you manage your rest so you get the initial laugh in your face? What time? What rest? But I get more advice than I probably know what to do with now as a parent, as an adult. So you get some kind of advice like, hey, you should listen to Bach. You should listen to Beethoven, some sort of classical music while your child is still in the womb so that they can get smart and their mind gets to be stimulated. And then I get another advice like, hey, you know what you should do, Jay? You should get a dog, a fur baby for your real baby, and then both of them can grow up together. And so here I am picking the best possible possible advice. I got a dog while my wife is five months pregnant to prepare me for this new baby because I'm such an awesome dad and we're going to find out what that decision looks like in about four more months. You see, your, your decisions will determine your destination. Your choices will determine your consequences. And what's more important than choices are the consultation that you take in. So growing up as a teenager, me and a group of friends of mine completely eliminated the possibility of taking any kind of good advice, good counsel with five simple words. Go hard or go home. That one phrase alone has caused us to make some awesome memories and make some horrible, horrible mistakes. So one of the biggest mistakes I ever did in my life was probably listen to an advice in seventh grade. So a friend of mine, we were all walking in our neighborhood, minding our own business, right? We're just hanging out in the neighborhood. A group of girls were following us, and they started throwing stuff along our way, and one of them just hit my foot. So... I'm about to turn the other cheek and not even pay any mind to this little girl. I'm in seventh grade. I'm a grown man. I'm going to take care of my business. And so here's what the advice that I got from my friend because he's so awesome. Hey, you know what you need to do, Jay? You need to go hard or go home. So here I am. I'm not going home because I'm too far from home. And, and he says, you know what you need to do? You need to tell that girl off. You need to tell that girl a piece of your mind. So it's amazing, one, what peer pressure will do. It's also amazing, however, how confident and how sure someone sounds given advice they don't have to follow themselves. So here I am, chest puffed up. I'm macho, man, and I'm envisioning in my head what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell this girl off. Do you know who I am? I'm 13 years old. I'm a grown man. You don't be throwing stuff along my way. And so I'm walking, right, towards this girl, and I quickly realize this girl is not just your ordinary girl. This girl is the little sister of a bigger guy that everybody, including myself, in the neighborhood was scared of. And so I quickly had to change my approach. Because it's much easier to swallow your pride than swallow your teeth at that very moment. So I'm like, all right, let's, let's go the emotional route. Let's just say, hey, look, you made me feel bad, and you're going to have to apologize to me because my friends are all looking at me. And then, see, I'm envisioning the moments. Oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. And we're going to have a great day in our separate direction. Ladies and gentlemen, what I did not envision was a right hook across my head. And so at that moment, I had two options. 
Option number one, listen to the voice that says, Jay, you need to retreat. You need to run home. Or retaliate. Get hit by her or you get hit by her big brother. So I listen to the voice that says, don't get hit by the bigger guy. So here's this little girl pounding away at my head and I'm yelling at my awesome friends who said, go hard or go home. But they were gone because they went to my home laughing, waiting for me to get home so that they can laugh at me some more. And I quickly realized that was the wrong message. That was the wrong messenger. See, that consultation, it cost me my pride at 13, but consultation will always cost you something. Your decisions will always direct you somewhere. Advice that you receive will always lead you to a certain destination. How do you know that the advice that you're getting right now is good? What, what has your decisions, what has the voices that you followed caused you to lose? Maybe you listened to that voice and said, hey, why don't you do that with him? And it didn't turn out. So good. Maybe you listened to the voice said, why don't you say that to her? And that voice wasn't right either. Why don't you go there with them? And that voice wasn't good either. What did it cost you? Maybe it cost you your, your self-esteem. Maybe it cost you some time. Maybe it cost you some joy. Maybe it's cost you a little bit of finances. Maybe, maybe worse, maybe it cost you some friendships, some, some relationships even. What does what it cost you? See, you and I are not the only ones at a loss here. It's every single one of us because it doesn't take long for us to see that our society follows the wrong kind of voices. Look at its effects in our homes, in our marriages. Look at its effects in our children and how they're going a different direction from what we planned out for them. Look at its effects in our community, in the finances of our nation. Look at its effects in our workplaces, in our schools doesn't take long for us to realize we've been following some bad advice, some incorrect consultation. You see, no one ever sets off to say, I'm going to follow the wrong messenger. I'm going to follow horrible advice. I'm going to follow an incorrect consultation. The reason why we follow bad advice is because it doesn't sound that bad to us. There's always a competing consultation, competing voices that is trying to get you and I's attention and affection, and how we interpret those voices will determine our outcome. So how do you know that the decisions that you're making right now is going to lead you in the right destination? How do you know that the consultation that you're receiving right now is not going to cost you everything? How do you know that, that the advice that you receive, the direction that you're going right now, is not going to lead you in a dry, desolate, deserted place, feeling utterly defeated in your life? See, this is exactly where a group of kings found themselves in. Three kings by name King Joram, the king of Israel, King Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and the king of Edom. They were all friends and alliances. And there's a historical account of this story found in the second book of Kings, chapter 3. See, in those days, what, what God had to do when the people of Israel was rebelling was he had to raise up messengers. He had to raise up prophets that would speak a message on his behalf, that would speak a word from God saying, this is the plan, this is the direction, this is the purpose for my people. So these three kings who are in alliance, and then there was one king, King Misha of Moab. You see, the king of Israel was a wicked king. He was a rebellious king. He rebelled towards God and led an entire nation into idol worship. And what King of Moab would have to do was pay a certain amount of tribute expenses, some tribute offerings to the king of Israel. But once King Joram took over as king, King Misha says, hey, look, your father is dead. I don't have to give you a thing. I'm rebelling against you. And now 
king of Israel has a message that he sends to his friends, and he says this in verse 7. He says, then he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Then he said, which way shall we go? And he answered, by the way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route seven days, and there was no water for the army, nor the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. So let me give you a, a, a snapshot of what took place. This is the awesome plan that the king of Israel had. So this guy rebels against them. So rather than fighting his own battle, he calls friends who shouldn't have any business going into this battle and said, hey, you know what? Would you fight with me? Go hard or go home. So these guys said, yeah, sure. We're, we're friends. Let, let's, let's go for it. Decision, bad decision number one. All right. So he, he asked a really good question. King Jehoshaphat does. He says, which way are we going to attack? Which way are we going to go? And he says, through the desert, in the wilderness. That's a red flag. I don't know about you guys, but desert is really, really hot and nasty and dry, and that's where people go to die. And you're going to go in that direction. Cool. We're friends. We're allies. So long as we have enough water. Seven days come to pass, and all of a sudden, there is no water. There is crisis in the camp, and what you would want is the messenger to deliver a message that would bring peace, that would bring ease in the middle of all the mess. But he doesn't. King of Israel says, we are going to die. God has brought us three kings here to deliver us into the hand of Moab. And so what Jehoshaphat does is, wait, slow your roll, king. Slow your roll because clearly you are not the right messenger to be delivering this message. So this is how he responds. In the next couple of verses, he says this, is there another messenger? Is there another prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him and he said, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. This is what Jehoshaphat says. I need a second opinion. I need a different kind of messenger. You see, every messenger delivers a message. Whichever message you choose to follow will determine the outcome in your situation. It'll either be a mess or it'll turn out to be a miracle. And what Jehoshaphat says, wait, change my messenger. I need someone who I can, I can, I can inquire of the Lord with. Is there a prophet in the house? And so he asked for Elisha. So what do you do when the message of your life is screaming defeat? What do you do when the decisions that you made has left you deserted? What do you do when the message of your life is screaming drought, doubt, and failure? How do you surpass it? How do you suppress it? What do you do? If you have something to write with, I want to encourage you to take some notes. 
If you're not there in that place, you will be there in that place. And so if you have something to write with, there's a place in your program to take notes. Feel free to use your smartphone, your tablet device as well to take notes. If you guys are tuning in online, there's a little place there on the notes section on the bottom right where you can take notes. Facebook Live, you can pop this in on the comments. Here's the principle that we need to apply in our lives based on Jehoshaphat's response that we need to practice. We need to consult with God. So what's your message sound like to you? Is it, a, is it a mess or is it a miracle? We need to consult with God because only consulting with God will get us out of that deserted, dry area of our lives. But that's impossible for us because consulting with God would mean that we have to lose control of wanting to choose our own way. And you and I are born with a nature inside every single one of us that says, I want to go my own way. I want to say what I want to say. I want to do whatever I want to do. If it, if it sounds good to me, it must be good for me, and that's what I'm going to do, and that's what I'm going to follow. We have this, this internal voice, this competing, contrary consultation that is constantly speaking into our lives, trying to tell us something that's desirable, but it's not. It leads us into destruction. This is what biblical authors call sin. See, sin is any action, any thought, any intention that goes contrary to who God is and what he says in his word. And this sin destroys us. It it destroys us internally, where our emotional state is in crisis and chaos. That's what King Joram was in. He, He thought everything around him was in crisis. Everything around him was in chaos because everything inside him was. See, this sin, it corrupts us internally, but it infects other people externally, where the people around us become casualties to the consultation that we choose to follow, and they suffer because of our lack of supply. Just like the people that, that, that were there marching around for seven days, and they ran out of water, and now the army and the animals are suffering because of the because the person that was supposed to be planning and preparing for this battle strategy didn't have enough. You and I, we are emptied because of sin, and now those around us are affected by it. Worse off, not just externally, but eternally. See, we're separated from God in all things good forever, experiencing the wrath of God for all of eternity. The message of you and I's life is sin, shame, defeat, death, and hell. But God, but God did not desire for that to be the final message of you and I's life. What he does is he sends a messenger with a message of his love, a message of his salvation, a message of his forgiveness and restoration through his son, Jesus. And so when Jesus came, he came with the message to deliver us from the messiness of our sin. And when he came, he died in order to defeat death. So the message of our hopelessness, our shame, our sin, forever punishment was heaped upon the life of Christ. And in his death, he defeated death once and for all so that those that will believe in him would be forgiven. But you see, the the grave couldn't hold the messenger down. Sin couldn't hold the message of God's love down. He resurrected triumphantly, defeating it so that those that will believe in Jesus by faith, would have new life. They would have a brand new message. Now, through faith in Christ, you have a message of victory. You have a message of future. You have a message of forgiveness. You have a message of destiny. See, God's spirit enters our spirit and makes his home in our spirit. Now, we can consult with God, but not just consult with God, but his spirit allows us to follow his direction. So, how do we consult with God? 
I want to give you two complimentary thoughts today. The first is this, to consult with God, you got to check your source. Consult with God, you got to check your source. This is what the king of Israel says. Alas, for the Lord has brought us three kings here together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. If it wasn't that I respected the king of Judah so much, I wouldn't have paid you no mind, King Joram. Then he said, bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. So these three kings are friends. They're part of a tight-knit circle of influence. But can I just tell you, not everyone in your circle of influence can provide you the correct interpretation for your life. Not everyone in your circle of influence can provide you the correct interpretation how to raise your kids. Not everyone in your circle of influence can provide you with the correct interpretation on how you should manage your finances, what you should do with your career, how you should live the rest of your future. That's why it's imperative for us to check our sources, check our consultation, check the interpretation. So back in 2013, there was this huge outrage within the deaf community in South America during the memorial service of Nelson Mandela. A whole bunch of world leaders were eulogizing over the life of Nelson Mandela, but what the outrage ensued was, was not from what was spoken, but rather what was being interpreted. They said that this interpreter must have been a fraud. This guy must have been false because there is no way that he should have passed any kind of of background checks or nothing because what he was interpreting didn't make any sense in any language. What he was signing was intelligible. What, What he was doing was probably doing his own thing rather than translating. And later on, as the, the story progressed, the, the, the interpreter said that he was battling fits of schizophrenia. He was actually hallucinating during that entire memorial service. So you have to ask yourself, how in the world can he get put on such a global platform, get close to such uh, great and prominent world leaders, and still miscommunicate, misinterpret, provide you with the, the incorrect consultation? It's easy. It's because he passed all of his checks. So how do you know that your consultation is correct? I want to give you three checks right now that we have to constantly make in our lives. The first is you got to check your context. So the king of Israel is saying, finally, God has brought us three kings here to deliver us into the hands of Moab, to defeat us, to kill us. He took his circumstances out of context. And so what Jehoshaphat had to do was he had to find someone else that would bring the correct context in their current circumstance. He said, is there a prophet here? Is there, is there a messenger of God that I can ask God what he wants to do in this situation? They said, Elisha is here. So Jehoshaphat says, oh, I know Elisha. The word of the Lord is with him. If you want to bring the correct context into your current circumstance, you have to look at your situation, whether good, whether bad, whether indifferent. you got to look at it through the lens of Scripture. Because the word of the Lord is with Elisha. It is no different 
than you and us right now. Because of Jesus Christ, his spirit, his word now dwells in us. His spirit allows us to follow him, to understand what he gives us, his written word. If you want to know and hear what God is saying in your situation, you can see it in what he's doing through scripture. So you can read it in two ways. You can read it for information, or you can read about God. You can, you can know about his goodness. You can see other people that have gone through similar situations than you, and you can see how God responded to it. You can know about God by reading it for information, or you can read it for inspiration. Rather than the word of God, you reading it, it reads you. And the spirit of God is speaking to your situation through the scripture. See, the The word of God is only as powerful as what you and I are willing to apply to it in our very own lives. And we read it to experience God. So you got to check your context. You want to bring your circumstance in correct context? Look at your situation through scripture. Secondly, the second check that we got to make is you got to check your closeness. See, the closer you are to a specific voice, the louder it is in your life. The closer you are to the voice of shame, the louder shame looks in your life closer you are to the voice of failure, the louder failure looks in your life. Jehoshaphat was really close to the voice of drought, really close to the, to the voice of defeat. Therefore, he had to change up his closeness. He, he was too close to the problem that he couldn't get into God's perspective. See, your proximity will determine your priority, and your, your priority determines your, your reality. So he had to change up his proximity. He says, where's this prophet that you're speaking of? And he took all three of them and went down to where Elisha was at. The only way that you and I are going to move from our proximity being so close to our problem to God's perspective is through prayer. Communication is the only way to close in the gap so that we can hear the voice of God clear. It's just merely speaking to God. That's the check that you got to make. Am I speaking to God? Not just speaking to him, but is he speaking back to me? Sometimes God will give you a thought. Maybe gives you an idea to do. Gives you a person that you need to surround yourself with and ask them a question. Perhaps sometimes God gives you a word that you need to cling on to. All those things become clearer and clearer in your life. So what God is trying to say, the closer that you get to him in communication. The last check you got to make is you check your company. I love how, how the king of Israel has now become the messenger of the message of God. He's saying, finally, God has brought us here to kill us, to defeat us. Because clearly it was God's fault that, that they chose to go in the desert. Clearly it was God's fault that they didn't plan accordingly how much water and supply they should have had. Clearly it was, it was God's fault to include other people into a fight that they should have never fought. As ironic as that sounds, isn't that what we do with our lives? We allow the wrong company to provide commentary in our circumstances, and they don't have the full context of everything. We allow their commentary to start corrupting us in our circumstances when they haven't even been consulting the right individuals. They don't see the bigger picture. We allow them to say, hey, you're too young to do that. You're too old to be doing that. There's no way you should be getting that job. Don't apply for that job because your family has always been doing this. You should stay here. There's no way you're smart enough to get into that school. Don't apply. You will never be more than you fill in the blank. 
See, the, the king of Israel, what if he was just hallucinating the whole time? What if he was just dehydrated? He was just hot. And he was just seeing a mirage of defeat, a mirage of drought. And so Jehoshaphat says, I got to change up my company. I, I got to change up the person around me. And Elisha wasn't just a regular individual. He surrounded himself with great people. He said he was the, the guy who poured water on the hands of Elijah, another messenger of God, someone who spoke on God's behalf, someone who did what God says. So he surrounded himself with good company. And once he surrounded himself with Elisha, what Elisha says is, if it was not for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't have paid you no mind, king of Israel. It's good to have good company. It's good to have a circle of godly influence around you. And he says, you know what, bring me a musician because we need to tune out the rest of these other voices. Sometimes God will speak through godly people to our circumstances. God will use godly leaders, godly mentors in our lives to speak, affirm, and confirm what he's saying in our situation. My mom always told me, she said, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Can I just tell you today? Show me your company, and I'll show you your circumstance. Show me your company, and I'll show you your consequences. So for us here at LifeHouse, how we surround ourselves with godly companies through life groups. Look, if you're not in a life group, can I just tell you, you are missing out on some of the best relationships possible. But can I just tell you, what if you signing up for a group, getting involved in godly relationship, is the step that God is waiting for to speak into your situation? What if what he wants to say to you, he's going to say through someone else? Lastly is this, to consult with God you got to dig your ditches. You got to dig your ditches. Here's what it says in verse 16 and 18. It says, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, your animals may drink. And this is just a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver you or deliver the people of Moab into your hands. Can you imagine what the people with the shovel were thinking at that moment? You want me to do what? In this whole desert. You, you want me to fill this whole desert, this entire massive desert with a whole bunch of holes? Okay. You, you want me to, to, to fill this entire valley with ditches? Okay. All right. So I'm not sure who's hallucinating here. Me or you, I'm not sure if this is bad counsel or not. Are you just trying to make your job easier so that when we die from dehydration, from digging all these holes in the desert, we can just fall in? Is that what you're trying to do? It would have been so easy, so easy for the people to think that they're preparing for a burial rather than preparing for a blessing. Because many times the miracle that God wants to work and make happen in your life, we miss it because it looks a lot like hard work. It looks a lot like obedience. See, we can, we can turn a message into a whole bunch of mess if we never dig the ditch. Can you imagine if God provided the water but we didn't provide the hole? You wouldn't have a miracle on your hands. You'd have a whole bunch of mud. See, it's God's job to provide. It's our job to prepare. We've got to prepare the room to receive the rain and the provision of God. What God wasn't trying to tell them was, 
you know what? It's not going to require any work on your end. Not going to require no kind of no kind of obedience from you. Here's what I want you to do. I'm actually going to take you to a place you don't even have to walk. I'll just gravitate you to another valley, and it's already going to be pre-dug, and I'm going to have all these holes already ready for you, and water's going to be there for you. No. You know what he says? I know it's dry. I know you're tired. I know it's deserted. I want you to dig. I want you to dig. I need you to dig. See, sometimes God is not telling you to change your direction. Sometimes he's just waiting for you to do what he says, even when you don't see what you want. I want you to dig. Maybe you're in a position in your life where you're, you're saying, God, I'm, I'm in dry, deserted place in my life right now, and I'm ready to throw in the towel. What if God is not saying, go change your job because I know it's, it's, it's sucking the life out of you? What if he's saying, I need you to stay and dig? Because maybe the life that, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm producing in you is the light that they need out there. Maybe God is not telling you to go change your spouse or go change your family or change your boss. He's saying, I need you to stay where you're at. I know you can't hear anything. I know you don't see anything. But I need you to dig right now. I need you to keep loving even though it's hard to. Just stay where you're at and dig. Because sometimes what God does is he sends you a shovel before he sends you the rain. He needs you to dig, pray, even when it's hard to pray. Believe when it's hard to believe. Keep pressing, keep pushing, keep fighting. You got to doubt the drought and keep on digging because sometimes God is waiting for you to bring the muscle so he can bring the miracle. So where are you at today? Maybe you're here right now and you found yourself just following your own consultation and God has brought you to this place, and he knows that you're in a dry place. He knows that you're in a deserted place, but God wants to speak to you there, and he's causing you to dig. What is your step of obedience? Perhaps you've never acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's your response right now. You need to repent of your sins, saying, God, I don't want to listen to any other consultation that, than one that comes from you. And you need to receive his forgiveness, receive his love that comes in like a rushing flood in your life, and you allow his spirit to lead you and guide you. Maybe you're here right now. You already made that decision to follow Jesus. Where are you stopping right now? Where are you saying, I'm going to put this shovel down right here because I'm tired. I'm worn out, God. And you're saying, I need you to pick that up. I need you to start digging those holes. I need you to dig right now. What checks do you need to make in your life? I believe God wants to speak to us today, and we need to consult him in prayer. So would you pray with me? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.